So it's no secret that we love trying a new hair tool here. What us? (laughs) (laughs) Hate it. Positively hate it. (laughs) Bettina, a few months ago, you had the glide. I've done the Oracle. But I think for the first time ever, you guys, we've all simultaneously been trying the same hair tool and we didn't know it until this morning, right? Yeah, it's been a team, Mm. a secret team trial. I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Sally had been using it. And I looked at her hair and I was like, Sal, why is your hair so silky and smooth? And she's like, oh, I've been using the new Panasonic hairdryer. And I was like, so have I. And then you guys came over and I was like, ditto you guys because. And you're looking silky smooth as well this morning. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. So, guys, the tool we are talking about and that the three of us have been coincidentally all trying is the Panasonic Moisture Infusing Hair Dryer. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, this is Panasonic's very first hair tool. Yeah, I believe so. Which is why yeah, I, I, so. I was like. Or hair dryer at least. Hair dryer. Yeah, so I was, that's, why, that's what I was like, really? Can Panasonic do hair dryers? It turns out they can. I think they can. Yeah, I was excited to hear mm. about to try it because it's like a big tech brand. They do tech well, I guess. So they must do hair tech well. Yeah. And we love hair tech. So besides the fact that we're all fans of this tool, we've got exciting news. Don't we, guys? We, we do. do. Super exciting. We've got a competition for Cup our listeners. Competition. Our first one ever. So we are actually going to be giving away three units of this Panasonic moisture-infusing hairdryer, each one valued at $349. Woot, woot. This is exciting. All you have to do to enter is subscribe to Get Lippy, write us a review, screenshot your review, and then send it to getlippy at beautycrew.com.au. Entries close on the 9th of December, 2019. For more info and T's and C's, head to our show notes. Hello, it's Dr. Naomi and you're listening to Get Lippy. From Marie Claire, Beauty Crew and InStyle, you're listening to Get Lippy, the podcast that lifts the lid on all things beauty. I'm Carly Orman, editor of beautycrew.com.au. I'm Sally Hanwick, beauty director on Marie Claire. And I'm Bettina Tyrrell, beauty editor on InStyle Australia. Today we have a very special episode for you guys because we've only got one topic and the topic is injectables because, oh boy, have we had so many questions. So many. We've been flooded. Basically flooded with questions. So we thought the hotline won't stop calling. (laughs) (laughs) So we've come to your rescue. We've come to your rescue. You guys want to know? It's I'm not surprised. Injectables are everywhere. So we decided not only are we going to answer your questions, but we're going to bring in an expert. So we've got Dr. Naomi, a cosmetic doctor at the Man's Clinic in Sydney, here to answer all of your injectable questions. Dr. Naomi, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. We have a lot of questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Before we get to our listener questions, because there are quite a few, I thought the best place to start is for some definitions, because I think people often get confused between terms like Botox and fillers and muscle relaxants, things like that. So can you please clarify what the difference is? between Botox and fillers and what each are typically used for? So they're very different. Botox is used on muscles. So it's used to relax the muscles. So we'll use Botox for people's crow's feet. We'll use it for their frowns. We'll use it for their forehead wrinkles. And basically when it relaxes them, it just reduces the lines and also prevents them from forming. Whereas filler, we use in a different way. We use it to lift lines. So it's a gel that we inject 
underlines or what we use it more often for is for beautifying and for volume loss. So we're injecting a gel to change the shape of the face or to revolumize. So as we age, we lose volume. So we use filler as a volume replacer. And Dr. Naomi, there's a lot of talk about preventative Botox. And so one of our listeners wrote in and asked, at what age should I start preventative Botox? Is 24 too young? 24 is definitely not too young. I started myself when I was 26 because that's when it arrived in Mm -hmm. Australia. And I think it's great to get just before you're getting the lines so that they don't get a chance to etch in. Um, Different races have different times when that happens. So Caucasians will probably, it will happen to them first, whereas Asians, it's a little bit later. So yeah, 24 is perfect. And once the lines are already in, I'm pointing to my own forehead. (laughs) Um, When when you put the Botox in, do the lines stay or can they relax away? It depends on quite a few factors, but often they can improve as well. They can be gone after you've injected them. Okay. Even if they're already etched in, sometimes it takes a few times to Mm -hmm. inject it till we get um, complete smoothing. And sometimes you'll need a bit of filler as well to get complete smoothing. So talking about preventative Botox, this could be a good entry into the next question that we have, which was, are you able to start getting Botox and fillers in your lips and then stop for a few years and begin again? The biggest reason I wouldn't have injectables is being worried that I can't maintain it. It's absolutely fine to do that. Basically, having them and then stopping them, you're still a bit ahead of the game. Um, this happens a lot because women get pregnant. So mm. we see this all the time. Yeah, so, you have to stop when you're pregnant and you have to stop when you're breastfeeding. So women can go a couple of years without doing these things and um, they can't wait to start again. <laughs> so, so people worry that they can't maintain it, but it's quite addictive in, in inverted commas because you like the look of your face. And how often would people on in general have needed to book in their appointments? Okay, for Botox we would do it... Um, Typically, it's about once every four months. That's really the most common. For filler, once you get to where you want to be, which can take a few treatments, so you do it every one to four months until you're at the maintenance dose. And for a maintenance dose with filler, you can do it once a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And back on preventative Botox, if you start as young as in your in your mid-20s, mm-hmm. is there a point where you, you that you can stop? No. Or you can, <laughs> once, once you start, you're on that trail. So, well, you can, so you can stop and you'll still be ahead of somebody who'd never had it mm. or if you'd never had it, you'd still be much better than you would have been. But, no, you, you'll always want to do it because with the Botox especially, you'll get the movements back again and the lines coming back when you stop. Okay. Your muscles might be a bit atrophied so it won't be as deep or as problematic, but, yeah, it'll still be there. Does that sort of mean that they the muscles learn to not contract as much as they were? It's sort of that they shrink and they're not as powerful. Okay. Interesting. Mm. I had no idea about any of this. Oh. And I guess same with our listeners because they've got yeah. all the questions. So now we've spoken about preventative and being yet too young. Mm. On the flip side, we've had a question that's, is it too late to start after 55? Never thought I would, but now considering. Oh, no, it's never too late, (laughs) never too late. We can always make an improvement. We love seeing the older age groups 
So what would you typically find that older ladies are coming in for? Basically the same as younger, but they probably just need more volumizing because that's what hits them. So yeah, that's right. probably more filler yeah. to boost yeah. things. Yeah. And yes. whereabouts would a 55-year-old and so, the older age group be typically having their fillers? So if you're trying to get a really natural look, you'll probably end up doing a lot of areas because you don't want to overfill one place and underfill another, but often the volume loss is really obvious in the mid-face, so the cheek area, the under-eye area, but then you don't want to neglect the lower third because that's your jawline and you don't want to ignore your temples and your upper third because you don't want an unbalanced face. So basically we want to balance a face. So it depends how the person presents because some people are born with an excellent mid-face or a really great jawline. So it depends where they started as well as to what we would do. So another question from our listeners is for the older older ladies again, best treatment for lines above the lips for us older ladies, please. Okay. There's lots of treatments for upper lip lines. So basically I'll go from least invasive to most invasive. So that's always the way that we think about Mm. things. So the least invasive would be your topical skincare product. So Mm -hmm. your vitamin A and that type of thing. Then the, the next things would be maybe, uh, RF microneedling or some type of energy-based device, that works well. And so because it boosts collagen? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the next thing that you could try would be um, people like PRP, which is where we take your blood and spin it down and use the platelet-rich plasma, re-inject it. Another thing would be Botox, so we can use that for the when for women who purse their lips when they're talking, so that really relaxes it and then they don't have those smokers line pull, lines pulling in all the time. And now we're getting to the things that are really effective in one go mm-hmm. and that would be your skin booster, which is a really fine hyaluronic acid made of something similar to a filler. And then the next thing would be filler. So you do filler in the vermilion border, which is where the pink meets the white of the lip, and you'd go up the, you'd inject up all of the lines as well with a filler to smooth it out. And last of all is a much more invasive treatment. Oh, well, no, we'll go to um, fractional laser, so a fractional ablative laser. We could try that. That's really good. And then probably the most invasive thing that can be done would be a full field resurfacing where we really just take layers and layers of skin off. And could you do a... Yeah, many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, oh, wow. yeah, I was like layers yeah. and layers of skin. Yeah. And, and what does that do? That gets rid of the lines. It, yeah. There must be some downtime with that There's one. There's some downtime. And I guess you can use a combination of yes. some of these treatments. Yeah. So it's really we would have a con- a consultation with the patient where we we go into what are their expectations, what's their downtime, what's their budget. What's their risk tolerance? So it's really it's got to be a um, a discussion with the patient mm. to know mm. how what they want, and then we can and move I guess forward. what their outcome, yeah. their, what their desired outcome is yeah. as well. So one of our ladies wanted to know. Oh, I'm intrigued on, about this one. Yeah, on our Facebook group. Yeah, she literally just wrote liquid nose jobs via filler. So I'm guessing she wants to know (laughs) what they are, what they can do, what's the benefits. Okay. Very, very popular treatment. Been around for many years. So basically it is reshaping the nose. So just giving people a much more beautiful shape of a nose. But we inject filler in and then I mean you do the procedure within half an hour. So no surgery. No. No surgery. So where 
Yeah, where are where you, you injecting? Like, is it up the nostrils? <laughs> okay, is it in the skin? Like, <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm so intrigued by this. <laughs> okay, it depends on the nose. Oh, okay. So, so it depends on um, what you're trying to do. So it depends how somebody walks in. So some people might have a down-going tip. Some people mm-hmm. might have a hump. So, yeah, basically you're just injecting. So you can straighten the bridge of a nose. Absolutely. Oh, that's incredible. And you can, great. And you can change the downward yeah. Can or you or upward? Yes. Can you and could you make it look thinner? Yes, you can. So you can do all of this yeah. with with, with fillers, no scalpel. With, with no scalpel. Yes. And it'll eventually would it will dissolve and yes. then you you go again. You redo it. But yeah. it would last you said a year? Yeah, something? you do it about once a year. Oh. Yeah. No downtime. We love this. Uh, Look, we're all much. coming in for a nose job. <laughs> well, I don't even like. I don't even want a nose job, but I want to try. This. You've got a beautiful nose. I <laughs> oh, wouldn't let you. anyone do your nose. It's gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you. But I'm just so intrigued by this process because yeah. it's not something I had. Yeah, it's heard something of you need to accept the risks of it. So noses is are it, a higher risk area. It is. Okay. Yes. Um, and there's a new treatment that we've been doing for quite a while now, which. Um, we don't use the brand Hico, but it's a nose thread lift, which is very popular as well. So we'll go. I'll tell you about the risks of the filler first. So mm-hmm. there's a risk of the filler getting in a blood vessel mm. and causing skin death. So that's oh. really what important. Does that, what does that look like? What is so basically, skin? you might get an area where the skin has no sensation. Blood. To it, so it can die. Yes, so you can end up with a scar there. So we don't want that. And then another really catastrophic event is um, blindness. So yeah, the the risk is extremely low. Yeah, the the risk is very low, but catastrophic. So you've got to take it seriously. Right. So So, obviously, go to a trained professional. Oh, absolutely. You need yeah a doctor for this one. (laughs) Always, definitely, (laughs) definitely. But the the Hico nose threads, that's another one that we're that is very popular at our mm. clinic. It's injecting a thread. So you inject a thread at the tip of the nose the whole way up and it just gives a sharper and higher appearance to the nose. It's very popular in Asia. And right. Great. Injectable nose jobs. Yeah, did there we go. did not know. Another question from our Facebook group is from a lady who said, I'm looking for info on fillers in the under eye area and an age question. Also, is 26 too young? Okay. Now, under eye areas, the most important thing to do is have a really good assessment Mm -hmm. because there are so many factors that are important when choosing a treatment for under eyes and often patients have a combination of the problems. Uh, So it's so important, the assessment. Um, The problems that can contribute are pigmentation, Mm -hmm. uh, a vascular issue, and also a structural issue. So the depth and Mm. the contour of it. Another part that can impact, and this often happens in uh, if for the young people presenting for uh, under eye problems, is that they have they can have a deficient mid face as well, so they don't have good structural support of the cheek. So that's a really important part as well. So yeah, have a great assessment and get the right treatment for the problem. Getting the wrong treatment for the problem is the worst thing you can do, and the the rate of satisfaction. For tear troughs is probably low compared to most right. most areas, but 
if done really well and addressing the problems correctly, the satisfaction rate is really high. So why would someone at the age of 26, what would they be, what kind of things do they come in for for under-eye fillers? Is it for darkness or is it for hollows? Hollows. It's it's for all of the above, but often it is hollowness that's in their family or Mm. pigmentation or vascular. Or puffiness. Puffiness is a different issue as well that can be helped. But when someone's a bit of a water attractor with the puffiness, filler is not the best idea for Mm -hmm. that. At this stage, in the future, we will have better fillers that are more suitable for that. But for people who have a lot of the the variable puffiness, so they're really bad in the morning and then Mm -hmm. it's gone by the night and then they're, they're not the best candidates for filler. Maybe stick with an eye cream. Oh, there's lots of other things that we can do, but yeah. (laughs) Now, just back on the um, the hollows and the pigmentation, you mentioned picking the right treatment for the concern. What Mm. are some of the options for treatment? So you can do, for the pigmentation, you can do brightening creams and you can use energy-based devices. Um, For the vascular, you can use energy-based devices. If you've got blue veins under there, get rid of them. If you've got red veins under there, get rid of them because it really adds to that. laser? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, with lasers. And for the hollowness, filler is great. And sticking with eyes, Mm. um, what is the best treatment for hooded eyelids? Can it be done via injectables or does it require a more in-depth procedure? So, again, we'll go from the least invasive (laughs) to the most invasive because that is how we work. So the least invasive is probably... Botox. And so what we do with the Botox, uh, we inject it in the muscle that pulls down the brow and then the muscle that pulls up the brow can act unopposed. So it just lifts oh, your brow. Oh, yeah. That's clever. Yeah, it's really clever. And the um it can lift it about one to two millimeters, which is quite significant mm. on an eyelid and brow. Uh, so that's the easiest and quickest and least risky. And then from there you could use a plasma pen. Um, oh, there, there's areas you can f- put filler to improve the appearance as well. Or you can use a plasma pen, which is similar to it's like a laser in a way. It's it's like it's ablating the skin. Mm-hmm. So it's similar to a laser. And then the most invasive is a surgical procedure, which is an upper blepharoplasty, which they cut oh, the <laughs> they cut the skin of the eyelid to lift it. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So good to so know. So Botox does work on, yeah. on yeah. hooded eyelids. Yeah. But again, right. something you'd have to do fairly regularly. Oh, yes. There's obviously a lot of different places where people can get fillers or injectables or Botox. What should someone be expecting to pay to know that they're receiving good treatment? Okay, so... I can just tell you the typical cost, but it really depends on what they're having. What they're having so yep. yes. um, maybe for a Miller filler, the the cost is around seven seventy. So that's, and that would do your lips, or that would do your lips. Seven dollars right? seventy yeah. or seven hundred and seventy. Just clarifying for the listeners. <laughs> and then typical price for Botox for full face would be six fifty to seven fifty. Is all Botox the same? So I think there's always. There's a point where there are a a price point where there are compromises in best practice, of course, Mm -hmm. and and then there's obviously just outrageous prices. But um, there's definitely a point where, uh, yeah, best practice isn't being adhered to. 
Right. Because, yeah, I've definitely seen a lot cheaper options out there below that and that's a bit scary. Yeah. Well, to me it is too. It's depressing. And there are different... I want best practice happening in every clinic. And we talk about Botox but there are other muscle relaxant drugs out there. Yes. It's, is Are they both the same, all the same? or They're all great. So Xeomin's great, Dysport is great, Botox is great. And should your your doctor be showing you what's actually going in or will, will they tell you beforehand? what? Oh, uh, yeah, they'll tell you which, which drug that they're using. Um, everybody will have their favourite mm-hmm. usually for different reasons. Now a lot of these questions have kind of been focused around the use of Botox or muscle relaxants for things, you know, like, you know, facial um facial muscle relaxant, but there are a bunch of other benefits of using Botox, aren't there? The one we haven't talked about, which is really popular, is for masseter slimming and for bruxism, so which is the lower third of the face has a muscle at the sides and the muscles that we use for chewing and we can slim the face, so that's very popular. Mm-hmm. And also patients who have jaw clenching get relief out of doing that. Another area we do is trapezius slimming, which is your traps um, to elongate the neck. And another popular one is calf slimming. We oh, also, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's oh very goodness. popular. Like this one. <laughs> yeah, the results are amazing. So For people the, feel that their calves are a little out of proportion? Yeah. It's I, probably I mean, I, winter when it's high, <laughs> high boot season. <laughs> I love a big calf. I think they look great, but the patients really love that petite, mm. elegant look. And it's, they're so happy when they achieve it. Um, the other thing that we didn't talk about was excessive sweating. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so you that, can use Botox in armpits, yeah. hands for feet sweating. And feet. And feet. Yeah. So how, well, how does that work? What does it? Just works on the sweat gland. And it relaxes. Do you stop sweating completely? Sorry if that's a dumb question. It reduces it significantly. So the test we do shows up basically the sweat Mm -hmm. and so we can do a test afterwards to see how much sweat is coming out and there's not much. Wow. Because wow. I know, yeah, sweating can be such a big issue for some people and a kind of like an embarrassing issue. And, mm-hmm. and wreck all your clothes. And, yeah. So that's fantastic. Can I just go back to the calf question? Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't affect your walking or anything. I mean, like how much is it disabling that muscle? So I always have to, as part of the consent, we have to say, you know, what sports do you do? Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, of course it can impact on things like that. So you might not run as fast as you previously did but you have spelt <laughs> legs <laughs> sometimes you got to compromise <laughs> but I guess and correct me if I'm wrong that would be the case for any any treatment that a client would choose is there might be some compromise or you know offset or something definitely right. definitely so they're all medical procedures there's risks with every yeah. one of them yeah that the patient has to consent to and be aware yeah. that are possible because I think that's the thing is um injectables have become so popular and so mainstream that maybe people do forget, like you said, it's a medical procedure and there are, you know, risk factors and mm. things to and think things about. to consider, definitely. Yeah. And I guess on that same note, what is your advice for looking into any of these procedures? If someone is thinking about it, what should they do before they actually get injected? Oh, they need to do lots of research. So go online, talk to friends, talk to different providers. How do they know that someone's good and someone's not? It's tricky out there. You could start with the uh, cosmetic colleges. So there's mm-hmm. there's three main colleges in Australia. 
um, Cosmetic Physicians College of Australasia, Australasian College of Aesthetic Medicine, ACCS, which is, and the Faculty of Medicine of that one. So they're the doctors who choose that as their career. So if they're a member or fellow of one of yeah. those organisations, then they're going to be reputable. Correct. Oh, that's good. So good to know. We and should put we should that in the show notes. Yes, we'll, yeah. Put, yeah. we'll put those names those in those places yeah. Yeah, in the show great. notes so yeah. everyone knows. Yeah, can Google yeah. the right doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe a question for a first-timer. Mm. Do you have to be a doctor to inject filler or Botox? No, so nurses can also inject, but a doctor has to assess the patient first. Okay, for yeah. both treatments. Yes. Right. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. And Dr. Naomi, our last question for you, a question we ask all of our guests who come, what is the one thing that you get lippy about? What is your one beauty message, piece of advice that you want people listening to know? Ah, the thing that upsets me most in my industry is um, the regulatory issues. I just... I just want the best outcomes for patients. I want best practice and I just hope that can improve over time. There's some things that need work. Yeah. So you'd say do as much research as you can. Definitely. Go to a reputable doctor. Un- until the regulations for the industry change. Correct. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wisdom. I'm sure our listeners will be thrilled to have all this information at their fingertips. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. If you've got more, send more in. Send more in. We love love them. We love them. So that's the Get Lippy podcast group on Facebook. Come and find us. Submit your questions. And also don't forget to rate, review and subscribe because the competition, if you want to win a Panasonic hairdryer, make sure you submit a review and screenshot and send it to getlippy at beautycrew.com.au before the 9th of December. Great Ooh, prize. I covered that all, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, well done. Tick. Anyway, guys, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.